Welcome to Carolina True Crime, a podcast presented by WMBF News in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, where we take a deep dive into infamous crimes from the Carolinas, some with clear endings and others where mystery remains. And today I'm talking with our anchor, Audrey Bisque, about a story out of really three stories, possibly even four stories, out of Lumberton, North Carolina. Three women found dead, their murders ne- or their deaths never solved. Some, some not even determined if it was murder. Is that right? Right. So it's a, a very mysterious cold case we've been following now for over two years. Mm-hmm. So I want to share with you kind of the timeline of when we started to report on these Okay. First, situate us. Um, Tell me about Lumberton, North Carolina. That's about an hour and a half north of, um, northwest of Myrtle Beach, right? Right. Just over the border in Robeson County. How would you describe that county and city? So unfortunately, it does have a reputation for crime. Mm -hmm. A lot of homicide investigations. Yeah. Missing people cases we've kind of reported on countlessly within the past five years that I have been here. Right. And many, like, there are shootings often. Um, it tends to be a fairly poor area. Um, Lumberton is the, the main city. There's also smaller cities like Red Springs, but Lumberton is really the only city right. in the county. There's a large um, Native American population, right, of the Lumbee Indians. Um, who are very, you know, like proud, and their council is is very um, involved in the community. They're still waiting to get federal recognition as an Indian tribe. That's a whole other story. But just to kind of give people a, a sense of of what they're they're coming into, it's a it's a it's a southern city, um, and there's just not a lot. It's not known for industry or right. tourism or anything like that that we're kind of used to. And that right? makes me think of the the flooding of two hurricanes that they've also experienced Absolutely. in the middle of this such a impoverished area yeah where i really experienced a lot in those neighborhoods um, yeah you went during that those schools that closed down for flooding for months and months and now permanently mm-hmm. um so yeah you, you spent a lot of time there so take me back where are we this is 2017 right so this is in april of 2017 where we found out the first body was found. Okay. But unfortunately, that same day, a second body was found. Oh, wow. Okay. So these are two women. I want to give you their names. Okay. Christina Bennett. People knew her as Kristen. Okay. She's found, her body is found inside a home on Peach Tree Street. This mm-hmm. is in Lumberton. Well, like two blocks down the road, Rhonda Jones' body was found outside of a house. On East Fifth Street, these are blocks within each other. The same day, two female bodies. Were they displayed similarly? Wasn't Rhonda in a trash can? Trash can. Oh God. Okay. Yeah. So were they recently deceased? Yes, it was fresh. Okay. The scent and the okay. the overall reaction of the neighborhood when our other reporter first arrived there. 
to report on this story, it was all kind of the interviews and reactions she was getting from people. Hey, I started smelling something. Okay, so, we so within police. several days, not like within hours, but not within months, within within a couple of days, probably. Right, it okay. was recent enough. So that's kind of the first alarming story that comes out of all of this. Okay. So we, okay, here it is. This is the situation. Two of these women are found. Um, not just, oh, their body and that's it. I mm-hmm. mean, this is not in good condition either. Naked. They're naked. I was going to ask that if they were clothed. Wow. No. So no clothing found around them or anything that we know of, but naked bodies found, one in a trash can. Do we know what the one, where the one inside the house was, where Kristen, I don't think we know no. where exactly. And the thing is with these homes, I want you to visualize the neighborhood. Okay. I mean, these are abandoned. Right, no one's living there. Oh, no one, wow. It's the, that poverty-stricken. Yeah. I mean, there's, like, not windows. There's shingles hanging off, old paint. I mean, okay. no cars around, you know. There's also a railroad track, which is kind of just this eerie feeling when I visualize yeah, that area up it there. it is. Kind of quiet and empty, and then you can picture a train going by. And right, and maybe you'll see people riding a bike or walking on the street. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of cars, just mm-hmm. not a lot of noise. So I want to take you back to my narrative when it began. So reminding you, you, right, Mm -hmm. these two women, Kristen and Rhonda, were found April 18th, 2017. My story began June 5th. When we got word. Of that same year, 2017. Yes, 2017, Mm -hmm. when we got word, a third female body was found. Oh, wow. So that's June 3rd, 2017. Was was it in the same area? The exact same area. Mm-hmm. So I was the Florence reporter at the time. I covered the PD region. I remember the day you called me and <laughs> said, okay, we need you to go up there. Mm-hmm. So no one had gone up. She was found June 3rd. We, I we was didn't the send first anybody one, on the right. Okay. So June 5th, I remember when I pulled up to the neighborhood, I was alone at the time in the car. And I just kind of reminded myself the reality of the situation, right? Three women. These women are young too. Mm-hmm. One was, one was I think in her thirties, but mm-hmm. the twenties and thirties. Right, mm-hmm. right. They're young women. Lives taken obviously way too soon. I'm driving up to the railroad track. I'm around Fifth Street. I'm familiar with the area because I had already covered from Hurricane Matthew. Right, These were the streets that were flooded that mm. I was at. Yeah, so I'm kind. You know, I'm kind of familiar driving kind around of know the area. Yeah, thinking, what's my first plan of attack? Okay, just feel out the situation, park the car somewhere, don't bring the camera, just mm-hmm. kind of walk around. I have my phone on me. Did you feel fairly safe? No, you were scared. No, I was scared. Yeah. I was scared. I imagine as a reporter, that happens a lot when you get sent to stuff. I know right. you've had some other experiences, but yeah, so you're in this desolate sort of neighborhood. So what do you do? So I find one man sitting on his porch. Mm-hmm. The house is literally two houses away from the railroad tracks. And I just ask him, hey, you know what's been going on around here? Wow, I'm here to tell this story. Mm -hmm. So I talk to him, get his feel. Nice man. Mm -hmm. He tells me, go knock on the door across the street. There's a young boy who lives over there. I think he has a better story for you. Okay. So I'm, okay, okay. I walk across the street. I could tell there was a lot of kids that lived in this house because mm-hmm. there was like bikes toys and toys outside. all over the uh-huh. front yard. So the mom of 
the home answers and she pokes her head out and I tell her what I'm here to do and say, hey, I'm really sorry if you knew any of these girls. You know, we know all three, their bodies were found right around the corner from where you live. Mm -hmm. Well, her son, who was 15 years old, Marcus McCollum, he comes up to the door. The mom goes back inside. She says, talk to my son. So he comes out. We walk over. Very, very nice young man. Mm -hmm. We walk over. He says, hey, I want to show you to these bushes, like this, mm-hmm. this bush area, where he found Megan Oxendine. The third woman. So you found the teen, 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 young teen boy who actually found the third girl's body. Right. Wow. How did he find it? So he was, I think he was riding his bike or uh-huh. just walking around. Once again, they smelt something. And uh. honestly, what does that smell like? You and I don't know, but we don't hear want that to know. often. Yeah. Like, oh, I smelt a weird, I don't, un- who knows? Right, right. But this is two days after I'm talking with him. Obviously, this is still very fresh on yeah. his mind. I mean, that's got to be, especially, was it in the same state as the other ones? Naked? Yes. Oh, so you yes. found a naked woman's body very close to his house. That's got to be traumatic. Right. And I was sick to my stomach listening to him explain it to me. Obviously so young to have experienced what he did. He he was with a friend at the time, too. I remember I I was getting video, mic'd him up. His mom allowed him to give me an interview Mm -hmm. for the story. I kind of took the camera. There was a lot of bush and shrubbery that was not there anymore. Okay. That I think police or someone had cleared out. Taken as part of the investigation. Interesting. Right. And... Obviously, I know I have to be careful with what he tells me and, you know. Right, police investigation and all that. Exactly. But the purpose of hearing from him was the the human, the the reality of mm-hmm. this, you know, he was the best person to talk to at that point. Yeah, I mean, it's a first-hand account of how it affects people who live there and, and how it makes them feel. Exactly. So we we go through that whole area. We I'm getting video. Um Right after I interviewed Marcus, I go to the police station and talked with the police chief. Not on camera. Mm-hmm. No one they didn't want to typically go on camera. goes on camera when there. it comes to these situations. Yeah. Actually, I don't think we've heard from anyone except when the FBI took over. Because mm-hmm. Lumberton Police asked the FBI Charlotte Division to investigate mm-hmm. these three women. At that time, it was still very fresh. Investigators were sent all around the, that neighborhood for obviously now years, but months. They kept saying, we're combing through the neighborhoods. We're knocking on doors, asking for witness statements. And actually, I saw the, I saw them. They were just in dark clothing, had a camera, a notebook. Going door to door. They weren't making that up. I saw them. Yeah. yeah around Fifth Street, mm-hmm. around those same streets and the train tracks. So I remember, though, after I had interviewed Marcus, I had talked to the police chief. There had been talks about a serial killer. I mean, if you find three naked women, one in a trash can, in a few block radius, of course that's where people's minds have to go, I would think. Right. No cause of death, no gunshot wounds. Right. No obvious sign of violence that killed them. Mm -hmm. So everyone's thinking, what is it, poison? You know, what... Obviously a lot of speculation. So let me go back and ask, did Marcus mention seeing blood or anything? No. No. Just literally just a body, not no wounds that we know of. No. No obvious ones. Wow. So that was June fifth, twenty seventeen, when mm-hmm. I kind of felt like this this story is going to impact me forever. Yeah. Um 
we did not do a story fast forward just a couple months to September mm -hmm. still no leads okay no suspects have been right. named no wow. and okay. at this point the FBI had taken over so you send me back up there <laughs> okay this is a few months what has the community been doing is there any memorials what well yeah there was so we go back up September 20th I actually have our chief photographer Drew News operations mm -hmm. manager Drew Hansen comes with me we didn't really plan for this to happen we never do but things happen that day um, we were we went back to the same neighborhood we noticed these flowers and balloons and things just that look like a memorial on the side of the street mm -hmm. we were taking video of we talked with at that point, still no one has talked to a family member. Mm -hmm. so no of any one. of these three girls. No, right. Of any of Kristen Bennett, Rhonda Jones, Megan Oxendine. Mm -hmm. At that point, there was a lot of reports of going around on news media and the Robinsonian newspaper mm -hmm. of just neighbors. Right. So we didn't really know much about these girls or had never heard from anybody who knew them well. No, and unfortunately, when I was up there, a lot of it was prostitution rumors so oh. were always walking around so it was, always, it was negative whatever you did here it's always really negative drugs or prostitution yep. involved a lot of and obviously i mean there is a big drug problem it's a huge drug problem yeah so then and human trafficking in our area which involves yep. prostitution so so that that's just a sad element of the story too mm -hmm. if you don't know what are they being remembered as right, right? these young women so september 20th we found out that Megan Oxendine's sister, Taylor, lives in Pembroke. Which is nearby. Nearby. You know, that they have a university there. It's a little more uh, upbeat than uh -huh. Lumberton. So it's not too far. We find out that her sister lives there. Well, Drew and I, we always find the story, so we go. Somehow, don't ask me how, we, we I got her on the phone. I told her I'm doing this story on her sister. You know, this is just a few months after she lost her sister. Right. Can we come to your house and, and talk to you about her? Mm -hmm. She says, yes, yeah, she's the sweetest wow. woman. So I learned from Taylor that Megan was a mother. Mm. She had a young, a young girl. A young daughter. And she, they all lived together. They all you lived, mean she lived with Taylor? Right, yeah. Wow. Well, when she, when, Earlier. Yeah, okay. and when Megan wasn't, I don't know, in Lumberton. Right. Walking around or mm -hmm. had people she knew that she would stay with in Lumberton. Mm -hmm. So I remember it started raining and it was like stormy and I was nightside at that time. We were doing this story for our 11 p.m. So uh -huh. it started getting like dusk time. Mm. We had already worked all day in Lumberton. Actually, we stayed late to do mm -hmm. this story because I told my managers, hey, we need to interview her sister. You guys, we need to sit down with her, let her tell her yeah. story, share with us pictures and memories. And I believe her, their dad was there at the time, too. They all lived together in mm -hmm. a mobile home, really in the middle, not a lot of neighbors nearby. Mm -hmm. So it was three and a half months since Megan disappeared. Mm -hmm. The wounds were still so fresh. Um, she told me that she would have been 29. It was mm -hmm. going to be a recent birthday. So there we go. Really young. Mm -hmm. uh, I asked Taylor, what does it feel like knowing someone is still out there, right? There's someone clearly Somebody knows something. Exactly. Right. She was angry. But I could tell she was also still in shock because 
there were tears, but not kind of that bawling, like uncontrollable. It was just very just stoic. Wow. So that night we I, and just to go just to explore that a little bit. I mean, I can understand that, right? Like her sister's dead, but she has no idea why. You can grieve her, but there's no closure. Right. And still to this day, as right. we're talking, I think back to to Taylor and I I still have her number. I, I think it changed because we tried to follow up with her. Mm-hmm. She had young, two young kids too. They're young mothers. Mm-hmm. They were running around. I remember I was holding their hands and they Aww. were trying to mess with the mic. And uh-huh. We were all sitting on this picnic bench. And I mean, that night that story aired and, and Drew, he, just, he edited it and did such a nice job with it. And mm-hmm. I wanted to give them something that they could hold on to forever. Yeah. So. That was the last time that I was in that area okay. and, and covered this. Has the case developed more? So, yes. Let's take you to January 1st, 2018, where okay. we received an update from the FBI. And actually, I did go back up there and cover some of the press conferences mm-hmm. that the FBI had. Okay. But still didn't ever connect with the family again. Um, and do you remember one weird thing about this whole story um the three girls one of them megan oxendine one that you talked to her sister at one of our other stations in the area wpde interviewed megan oxendine when Rhonda jones died when they found Rhonda jones's body they you know they were talking to people in the area and megan oxendine was one of them that they talked to, and then she shows up dead a couple that. months later. It's just, it's crazy. It's a lot of odd that. things to this story. And that's why there was a lot of fear in people thinking that they were going to get retaliate, right? I'm not going to talk to you. You think Someone's they gonna thought, murder mm-hmm. me. yeah. Um, so the FBI's been updating, or, or you know, they've been looking into it. What do they do? They tell us anything when they do the pressers? So, so they just, I mean, it was very, you know, there was two updates we got, January 1st, January 18th of 2018. This is over a year, probably, I mean, how frustrating for them, right? These are federal agents that are so, that are trying to give these families answers, mm-hmm. but I felt like their hands were tied for mm-hmm. a good amount of time there for a little while. They said, no visible trauma. Um, was found on either of the first two women. Still, some in this neighborhood suspect foul play. I remember there was the spokesperson for the FBI that Shelley asked Lynch. me to be very careful with the terminology in mm-hmm. these stories to not um, accuse by you know interviewing neighbors and young women who were so frustrated and angry that mm-hmm. this happened. And and I remember she had asked us to you know really be be careful careful yeah because right? with this situation it's so sensitive right especially if, if like you said there's some retaliatory aspect of it um and they she she said the circumstances surrounding their deaths are suspicious be, in part because of the close proximity of when and where their bodies were found i mean that's really is all that tied them together that we know of mm-hmm. right exactly um so unlike South Carolina, North Carolina will give you autopsies after they've been completed and, and, and given to investigators. We got the autopsies for some of these girls, right? Right. So we got an update on August 31st, 2018 from the North Carolina Medical Examiner's Office. So about Jones. 16 months after she was found. It's a long time. Mm-hmm. 
So what did it show? They found out that there were drugs in Ron Jones' system. Mm-hmm. What kind? So. Benzos, that's the one thing they call them. Okay. Benzo, cocaine, mm-hmm. ethanol, an Which is alcohol. Maybe, mm-hmm. yeah, alcohol. Um, then they say the fact that the cause of Megan Oxendine's death was, quote, undetermined, but, quote, instrument is marked, and she was found naked. So, like, there was something there that said instrument, like they thought some sort of instrument was involved in the death, perhaps? Which, what does that mean, I wonder? Right, right. Still very unclear for us. And did they just OD? I mean, what do you... But you don't OD naked in a bush. You don't put yourself in a trash can. Right. Even if this is a a drug dealer gone bad, he's still obviously trying to hide bodies to a certain extent. Exactly. And not necessarily trying to hide it in the sense of, well, hide them farther away from each other. Right, right. That's true. That's true. So... We had asked the FBI to release the statement after we had gotten that update from the exam- medical examiner's office. Mm-hmm. They said the Lumberton Police Department and FBI continued to investigate the deaths of Christina, Rhonda, and Megan. Test mm-hmm. results released by the examiner's office for Rhonda and Megan do not change the focus of these death investigations. Meaning that because drugs were perhaps found in their systems, it didn't change the fact that they do believe the deaths are suspicious, I guess. Exactly, and that they still are pleading from the community to determine the timeline, right? Who, when did you last see Kristen and Rhonda? Right. When, you know, what was Megan doing with her family a week before? Right, right. Even though these women perhaps were transient, people had to have seen them and interacted with them, and they have families that love them somewhere. Exactly. Um, You know, Tasha or um, Megan close by with her sister. Exactly. So at this point, they were offering an award of $30,000, a reward wow, right? that's a lot. for any contributions um, into this investigation, anyone in, with information coming forward. So we just kept repeating <clears throat> that over and over mm-hmm. and over again. I, I do think it's interesting, though, they were saying that the test results released didn't change the focus of the death, inve- death investigations, but then um, they also said... At this time, and considering the results released today, investigators are unable to say definitively whether or not any crimes were committed. That seems like such a double, like, were they or not? And, like, how much resources are they going to put on something that might not involve crime? I don't know. That's interesting. That's a good point. So... We, I remember we um, just had those updates mm-hmm. read in our shows. Yeah. I remember that, that day. So what about since then? So there was a kind of a memorial service where we sent our reporter, Ian Klein, um, back up to Lumberton. Mm-hmm. It was April 18th. It was exactly two years ago to the day. April since 18th, 2019. Both Kristen and Rhonda were found that yeah. day. And here we are. July 2019, and that was the last time we had any updates, right, any mentions. Sent someone up there to tell their story. They did a balloon release. I remember a very emotional interview that Ian Klein had of family of Rhonda. Mm-hmm. So, kind of people maybe being more open to speaking since the since time had the elapsed. Time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I remember Ian said that his update from Lumberton Police they're still working to determine how these three women died still no definitive answer as to why or who killed these women and the detective with the police department says 
we've spoken to 800 plus people and we're still at square one. Wow. So here we are today. That's incredible. The beginning of July, no arrests, no closure, still an open investigation and $30,000 still being offered to help. And these families still out there with no answers, you know? It's really, really, really sad. And it kind of just opened up a lot of memories and and sad feelings talking about it with you. Yeah. But also... Yeah, there have been... I want to talk about two other cases that... One potentially related, though police say there's no reason to believe it, and another one not related but still in the same community. Um, Who was Abby Patterson? So she was a 20-year-old girl who actually disappeared around the same time frame, September 5th, 2017. Mm. So this is literally months after these three women go missing. We see this flyer. You had spoken with her mom. Yeah, I've I've communicated with her mom on Facebook because her mother is very active in keeping her memory out there and getting people, you know, keeping notice of her, not her memory, because she's just missing. She was last seen getting in a, a brown Buick, I think, in Lumberton. Um... And she's this beautiful young girl. She's only 20. You know, we talk about the other girl, the other women being young, but she's really young. What I think that some people wrote off her disappearance because we were told that she had recently gotten out of rehab, was trying to get help. And I think, you know, some people kind of said, oh, well, then, you know, probably something happened to her of her own accord. But just like these other women whose bodies were found, no matter how troubled somebody is or not, they deserve, they don't deserve anything like the end that those three women came yeah. to. The, um, just the inhumanity of, of being left naked in a trash can, you know? I mean, I just yeah. can't imagine the family's grief in knowing that that's where their love, their, where their daughter or their sister, you know, mm-hmm. Or their mom. Was dumped. Or their yeah. mom, right, because Megan had children. Um, so as far as Abby Patterson, beautiful young girl. Uh, the community is still very active in getting the word out about her. Her mother um, had a balloon release, I think, at her last birthday, which was a few months ago that we covered. And um, it's, a, it's a case that we continue to yeah. follow up on. The other one I want to mention briefly, because we will have another Carolina True Crimes um, episode all focused on this one totally, but a huge national story of the same ilk where a young girl goes missing and is found dead, and that's Hanya Aguilar. Um, so just briefly, she was a 13-year-old girl. She was on her way to school. She was standing outside her family's mobile home, and according to police, they think a man stole the relative's car, kidnapped Tanya, and she was found weeks Week. later, mm-hmm. naked in a field. And McClellan, Michael McClellan, who was charged in her kidnapping, mm-hmm. we had asked because there was suspicion, hey, is this... There had been talk about right? him, yeah. I but nobody's know. ever kind of proven those connections of whether the police had him before or or whatever, but it's just a, you know, think about being a young woman in Lumberton and and these are the scary things that are happening around these girls. stories forever that we'll remember and that 
we're ta- we'll, we'll tell and yeah. I I'm thankful to be a part of telling him yeah but hopefully for the families they'll find resolution soon and, and they'll come up with a suspect that's all I would want if I were them yeah exactly thank you so much Audrey You're thank you for listening to Carolina True Crime a podcast presented by WMBF News to learn more about the story you heard here and other mysteries and crimes from across the Carolinas, go to our website, wmbfnews.com.